Snuff Production. Let me be honest. If I had come across the top line cell for Hugh Van Seilenberg's work, I probably would have rolled my eyes and kept scrolling. <laughs> Hugh works in the area of resilience. Through his podcast and his books, he's worked with everyone from school kids to football stars on how to live a more resilient life. But if you're a skeptic like me, please stop scrolling. Hugh is the real deal and just an impeccable specimen of human being. There's no woo-woo here, only sensible, research-backed psychology and sociology, but it's all delivered by this guy who speaks like your smarter, kinder, older brother. My name is Jamila Rizvi and welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Bron is up next and she and I will have The Weekend List where we recommend what to watch, see, do, eat and listen to. But first, here is my conversation with Hugh Van Seilenberg from The Imperfects and The Resilience Project. We talk about everything from vulnerability to gratitude to empathy. And if you want to walk away smiling, today's episode is for you. Hugh Van Seilenberg, welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Hi, Jamila. How are you? Thank you so much for um, having me. I didn't let you answer the question. How are you? <laughs> I, am, I am actually, uh, or I'm going to be honest, because normally I'd just say great. I am happy but totally overwhelmed. How are you? Okay, similar. I am happy but, oh, actually the same. I'm overwhelmed as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also I should let you know I'm coming to you with uh, two and a half hours sleep last night. So I'm also... Ooh. Just emotionally, I'm I'm um, cooked. A shell. Yes. A shell. Yes. Uh, why did you only get two and a half hours sleep? So I mean, we have a so we have a five and a half year old, a two and a half year old, and a two month old, and extraordinarily, oh. you know, it's our five and a half year old that is just <laughs> issues at night time. He just wakes up at midnight and he's awake till like four. Oh wow! Yeah. So not like upset, just wide awake. Everything. He goes through all range of emotions um, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he wakes up and um, and I copped the full, I copped the works last night. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I feel happy because I'm at work and I get a bit of reprieve from, from how hard it is at home, but overwhelmed, the same as you. Are you feeling overwhelmed work-wise or? Uh, yeah, I'm more overwhelmed work-wise yeah. um, and just doing a short week this week and so overwhelmed by having to shove the whole week into yes. less of a week, which gotcha. is always hard. Gotcha. Can you, how do you get through that? period when things are on the home front, there's, it's full of love and all those sorts of things, but it's just so much and you're operating on so little. Do you just grind it out? Uh, uh, and the reason I ask this is that so much of your work is about gratitude. And I yeah. remember those early baby days or the, at least just the non-sleeping days. Yeah. And I had very little gratitude. I was just like, just get through one day it'll end. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny, we chatted about this a little while ago on our podcast, just like I I have been very guilty of late, all my entire life actually, of not really leaning into and embracing the season of my life that I'm currently in or the chapter of my life mm. I'm currently in. So I called myself the other day just thinking, this is just, I just can't wait till the kids are at school so we can sleep again, we get some time as a couple, like the two of us, we can just spend time together again. I, I want Penny back. I'm sick of sharing it with three other people all the time. Mm. Um, and I just want this stage to be done with. But then I realized that, you know, five to 10 years ago, 
I was longing for this chapter. I wanted this. Like I wanted because all my friends were married. They're all having kids and I was single and I was going to the pub every night, like just with a couple of mates who were a bit younger than me. And But I was thinking, I shouldn't be doing this. I just wish I had young kids. I want to be going to the park with the kids. I want to be reading books to my kids when they go to bed. That's what I want to be doing. And I was longing for another season of my life. I would give anything right now to go to the pub four nights a week with a couple of mates. (laughs) Um, So I think what I'm trying to do at the moment, Jamila, and it's a lot easier to just, it's, it's much easier to just, you know, much easier said than done, but I'm trying to just really understand that this is just a season of my life that will pass um, and there will be a time because there are things that come with this season like this morning when I left to go to work my daughter Elsie ran to the door and she was like screaming she goes I love you daddy I love you yeah. and love you and yeah. you know in five six years time she won't be doing that she she, yeah. will be, she won't even notice me when I when I leave to go to work and so so and I'm, I'm sure in five six years time I'll be leaving the house going oh I missed that time when she would you know, run to the door and say she loves me. So I'm trying to just really embrace this season of my life and see it for what it is. The season, seasons come and go, they end, um, and I'm trying to see it. And maybe this is winter. Maybe this is like the winter season. <laughs> it is the darker and colder and more challenging sort of months, but seasons change. I mean, today in yeah. Melbourne, it's for the first time in about four months. It's, there's it's some more sun. Than, there's sun. S- there's, it's not raining yet. It's like 19 degrees and it just – that kind of, I stepped out of the door, stepped out of the house this morning and I actually, it was like the physical, um, I think, the, 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 it was like the symbolic reminder to me that like seasons change and you will feel sun on your face again. It's just, this is tough at the moment. <laughs> Are you someone who, when you're going through a tough patch, looks back and kind of wishes you were back there or do you look forward and go, I want to be, I want to be ahead Great question. Uh, I do both. I think I, I I have found myself being incredibly sentimental in the last six months to a year. I've been looking back a lot recently. In fact, I've found myself. This is very weird. I've found myself driving to sentimental um, oh, locations wow. of my childhood or my teenage years. Yeah. Uh, when it's been particularly tough, if I'm going, if I've got to go to the chemist. Um, as a compounding chemist, which so I have to go a little bit away from where we live. But I found myself going the long way there to go to drive through the areas I used to hang out with when I was a teenager or going through yeah. the streets I used to walk to the tram stop as a school kid. And I, I've so I guess that's the best way to answer the question. I think I'll probably spend more time looking back and just thinking, gee, these were, you know, I'd be dragging my heels on the way to and from the tram stop for school. But I look back on that and I love I, the memories I have of that. When there were no devices, there's no social media. It was yeah. 15 minutes to and from school uh, walking to the tram, so it's a 15-minute walk and without fail, that was a half an hour of my day where it was just me. There was mm. nothing else. You know, mm. I probably the, the, the batteries of my walkman had probably run out so I couldn't listen to Pearl Jam or Nirvana. So I was, the, mm. I was there by myself and I was just, we don't get that anymore. Like we just yeah. don't, I mean, we could, but we don't really have any time in our life no. where we're in the car, I'll listen to the radio or I'll listen to a podcast or yeah. going for a walk, I'll listen to a podcast or listen to music. I just didn't, and I, I just, I was driving up, it's called Narrack Road in Ballin. I was driving up there just thinking, geez, that was a special time that I didn't realise in every single day where I just couldn't wait to get home. I was like, I wish we lived close to the bloody tram stop like everyone else does. Mm. I was, but I, I, I found myself looking back and missing simple stuff like that, which, and I think it's because it's not just how challenging parenthood is at the moment. It's just how 
I, I actually can't watch the news at the moment. Like I cannot yeah. watch the news. It's too much for me. I'm taking on, I know bandwidth is a very overused word at the moment in, in every conversation you have, but I, right now I'm at my maximum trying to deal with the challenges of having three young kids under the age of five um, and trying to, I'm on my tour at the moment and trying to, you know, it's difficult for Penny, my wife. So just trying to deal with that. I don't have the space right now to take on the ponderings of of how, in some regards, how frightening the world is right now. And so I've just found myself, I don't know, going back to to times when life was so much more simple. Mm-hmm. It was which girl I liked at school and what on earth I could say to her the next day. And that was about it, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I think about the social media and the connectedness thing, if I'm really honest about my life, there is barely a minute that I am awake where I am genuinely alone now. Like I listen to podcasts at the supermarket, podcasts when I'm cooking dinner. I have a boom thingy that's waterproof in the shower. Like <laughs> I am, I, am, I watch Netflix before I fall asleep. Like I am always listening or engaging with some sort of stimulus that must be bad for me and my brain isn't developing the way, like you work with a lot of kids and teenagers. My brain's not developing the way theirs is. No, It It must be bad for me. I mean, I'll be honest with you, my phone's sitting here right now and I didn't put on airplane mode. I did put on airplane mode but it's still got Wi-Fi and it's lit up twice when we've been talking and I've felt this like anxiety of like i got to check that. I'm actually going to put it on the floor face down. Yeah, because, I can. I'm on my computer, and so I can see the unread text messages. I haven't opened them. Such is my respect for you, Hugh. Oh, Such is my you, respect Jenna. for thank you. you. <laughs> it's very rare. It's very rare. Uh, talk to me about the work that you are doing in schools and with young people in particular. Um, I think every generation worries about the generation that's coming next, and sort of shakes their fist at the sky and goes, "The young people." Yeah. But I, I genuinely do get anxious about the pressures that are placed on on young people at the moment through social media and expectations in that space, but also reality TV and the fact that the world is terrifying. What are you finding when you're talking to large groups of teenagers? We had the most amazing bit of research come back about our program the other day, which I'll share quickly because I I hope it doesn't sound like boasting. I'm just I'm just very proud of it. And I also want anyone who's in schools to know that this is available. So mm. Um, our program is a it's a comprehensive um, program for a school to take on. It's not just someone comes in and talks and then they leave. There's teacher training, parent training, student training. It's a digital platform, so they've got videos they can continue to watch throughout the year. Of it's 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 our talks, but put into a into a basically like a TV package. And half of Hamish and Andy's team helped us build it, so it's a really good quality product. There's curriculum, so the students actually have resilience textbooks, so they actually get taught resilience every single day of the year. Um, and Adelaide University, I think last year went, hang on a minute, what's this organization that a thousand schools are working with? Like, does this actually work? So they actually looked at it, they actually did a three-year evaluation, which made me oh, a little wow. bit nervous. Yeah, they did they and they, what they did was they got 80,000 kids from around Australia who are doing our program and compared it to 80,000 kids around Australia not doing our program. Um, and when I heard they're doing that, I'll be really honest. The insecure part of me went, "Oh my god, oh my god." There's no, there's not going to be any difference. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, what it's like? What have I spent the last twelve years of my life doing? And what are people going to say? And and this, and then I just got because we get great anecdotal feedback, but you know, you want some scientific rigor behind it. But yeah, 
Amazingly, they started this in 2019. So they had data from 2019, 2020, oh, wow. 2021. And there's all this data they're collecting on these 80,000 or 160,000 kids. And I don't think this is a huge surprise, but in the year 2020 and 2021, not because they weren't doing our program, but just kids as a whole, yeah. depression went up significantly, anxiety went through the roof, feelings of hope, hope and life satisfaction went down. And that was presented to me first and I had had this huge gulp of like, oh, God, okay, go on. Mm. And then we saw the data for our kids during the program. It was amazing. It was There was no increase in depression or anxiety whatsoever. Wow. And also feelings of hope and life satisfaction actually went up in 2020 and 2021. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I was, I've been doing this for 12 years. It's not often that I, I burst into tears in like a work meeting, but I just burst into yeah. tears because it was the proudest moment of like, gosh, we've – provided something which has helped. It's life-changing, like genuinely life-changing. I, I hope so, Jamila. I don't, yeah. um, I really hope so. But yeah, I, I think to me, it was just, I'm, I'm not saying to everyone, you have to do our program, but it just shows that these interventions that go into schools, mm. you know, they're really important. And that makes a lot of sense for me. Like I think about some of the hardest points in my life and people who listen to this podcast know I've been, I've been quite sick the last few years. And the first time I had brain surgery, I tried to do what I thought you should do. And I, I took a bunch of leave before the surgery. And mm. like, I went away with my, my husband and son and I thought like, I'll just sort of retreat from the world and it'll be quieter and I'll spend time in nature. And like, I was honestly trying to do it like out of an inspirational postcard or something, what I thought you should do. And look, I imagine that would work really well for some people, but for me, it was the opposite. It didn't cultivate any happy emotion. It just left a lot of empty space that I filled with lots of negative emotions of course, and mostly of terror. Yeah. And then the, the second time around, I knew what not to do and I knew to do what worked for me. And so I just went to work. I worked up until the day I walked into surgery. Wow. And I remember being on stage at the Melbourne Writers Festival the day before and just being like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be because wow. I feel good. I love doing this and I'm doing the stuff that brings me a lot of joy and it feels normal and it had the ability to, to fill that space with those those good emotions. I think it's similar to, you know, when you're at a funeral and the first time someone says something funny and you're like, oh. it's almost like a relief and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. We we um, we kind of crave that positive emotion. But that's what an amazing I mean, I, I think about the people that, I mean, you're very well known. A lot of people know your story. I think that's just such an incredible thing for people to listen, like people who are going through something really challenging in their life. Like, I mean, what you've been through, I, I don't know if I could picture a more challenging thing to go through really, especially as a, as, as a mother, you know, I, and but to hear what you've learned through that. And, and I just, I hope that other people who follow you who have gone through something similar can learn from that because I think it's really valuable. I mean, I, I often find myself a bit like you. I, I think oh, I can't wait for the holidays. And then holidays get down. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of missing the joy I get from doing what I do yeah. every day. It's like holidays are not what they used to be before I kind of. So I think, That's yeah. so true. People listening, it may not be their nine to five that brings them joy. But what is it that brings you joy? Don't, don't stop doing it. Keep, if you can, keep doing it. work a lot with men as well and on your podcast you've often got um, yourself and Ryan Shelton also your brother um, Mm. chatting about resilience and about vulnerability and I love listening partly because I have multiple incredible men in my life who I love who are not good at talking 
about being vulnerable. And I feel like I learn something every time, not just about myself, but about how to start having that conversation with them. Through your work, especially with adults, I suppose, moving away from kids for a moment, have you found that there's an extra hurdle to get men to talk about their feelings because of how men are socialised? And how do you how do you get past that? How do you break that barrier? I mean, the highlights of my the highlights might be a bit of a crass word to use, but some of the most heartwarming moments I think in my last twelve years of doing this work is when you have breakthroughs with men or women, but more often it's men who, do, who this is totally new, this space of just, mm. I'm just going to tell people what's actually going on for me. The reason it's a really hard thing for a lot of us to do, especially men, is that our ability to be vulnerable or not, a lot of the time is dictated to us by what we saw with our parents' relationship. So if mm. it was a safe space for our dad to be vulnerable, uh, if he was vulnerable if or, or, or if our mum was vulnerable, how was that received? And if it was shut down and it wasn't a safe space for them, we learned very early on that is not something that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I even think about my mum who, who I don't think anyone's have a bigger influence on me than my mum. I think her childhood, it, it wasn't, vulnerability was not a, a, lo- a lot of people that age, my mum's age, vulnerability from their parents is not something you ever show. You never, ever show vulnerability, going back generations and generations. Mm. My mum loves our podcast and she's very proud of Josh and I and the work we're doing. But there'll be certain things we'll go to talk about and she'll say, I'm not sure why everyone needs to know that. Or are you sure that's her? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's because for her, what she saw, it wasn't safe. Now, I was very lucky in mm. that mum somehow managed to turn that in her own life with us as kids and she was she was always created a very safe space for us to be vulnerable. But to come back to, to your question, um, I did a session with a football club and I don't really have permission to tell the story, so I won't say which football club, but it was an AFL football sure. club. Um, and I said to them, you've got three options. Um, this is on a pre-season camp. Um, a few, it's a few years ago now. And I said, we're going to talk about a heartache from your life or you're going to ask for help or you're going to talk about a hero from your life. So there was a really difficult option, which is a heartbreak. But if you want a safer option, you can just get up and talk about a hero. It could, yeah. it could be a sporting hero you had as a kid. That's all it needs to be. And the first kid who got up, he was 19 years old, and he told the most heartbreaking story. And he sobbed his way through it. And it just gave every other person in that room permission, permission. to do the yeah. same. And it was done under very safe. We had the club doctor there, the club psychologist. It was done under very safe um, very sad. We did put a lot of work into making sure everyone felt psychologically safe. And one of the options was to not speak at all. If you don't want to speak at all, you don't have to. Um, and I, I couldn't believe, and this is answering your question, the most powerful way I have found to get people to be vulnerable is to model it, to show them what it looks mm-hmm. like. And um, I had done it with that club a couple of times telling my story, but I'm 20 years older than some of them and it's my profession. So I think it's hard for them to look at me and go, oh, okay, I'll do what that guy does. Yeah. I've been doing it for 12 years in my job. When they saw one of their own get up and cry his way through a story about his sister's addiction, wow. three guys after that was one of the assistant coaches who's 40, he's my age, he's 42, and he's quite well known and he's, he's the opposite to Von. What, what you, no one would expect that from him. Everyone was in shock and he told this story about his parents and it was the most beautiful moment as it just broke down all these barriers, generational barriers, barriers of I'm a coach and you're a player and barriers of I'm a legend, you haven't even played 10 games yet. And I, we had 
like 40 men hugging him at the end. Everyone's queued up to give him a hug as he had tears in his eyes. And he modelled that it was okay and then everyone else just jumped in and it just became more and more okay. And um, I think that's what I'm finding when the most common message I'm getting through the DMs at the moment is, oh, I've just I've, I've decided to have a really tough conversation with someone I love and just want to thank you because saw you guys do it or you had a guest on who did it or people are trying it and sometimes it's difficult and sometimes you have a bit of a vulnerability hangover the next day. You're like, oh, I think mm. I said too much. It feels a bit awkward as the as the outcome, or well, the outcome's a yucky word, but the the result of you doing that over time, you realize you have formed a stronger bond with whoever you've been vulnerable with you have this relation enriched relationship if that's the right word but yeah so it's it's um i think modeling it is really is really really powerful and not everyone has earned the right to for you to be vulnerable in front of them you got to be careful with who you open up to and all that kind of stuff which i think a lot of people know instinctively but you just you know the fact i did with the football club we had a, a psych okay a doctor okay and it took us a year to decide it was a, i'm not saying to people call a work meeting and say everyone <laughs> I got something to tell you, <laughs> um, but you need to be a bit careful with it. But still, yeah, that's the. It's it's tough for men, also because this is everyone knows this, but I think as men, a lot of the time, as kids, we were told um, to toughen up and don't be a girl, don't cry, grow up, mm. and that kind of stuff. So from a young age, we think, oh, okay, I'm, I want to be a man. I don't want to be seen as a girl because apparently that's not a good thing. So I'll just, I'll not share anything. I'll just keep it all inside. So. Hugh, thank you so much for being vulnerable with me today and for the work that you do with so many people. I am filthy that we have already hit time. Uh, You are going to have to promise to come back. I would love to. And I'd like to thank you as well because our podcast has had some incredible guests that you have provided to us. I love getting these emails from you saying, <laughs> oh, you've got to chat to this person, need to chat to this person. And, and um, yeah, you've, you're, you're, we should put you on commission or something. An incredible connections you have. Oh, look, I won't say no because uh, women should always <laughs> ask for money, but um, it's a joy. I love sending good people your way and then hearing their work come to life on your podcast. Thanks so much, Hugh. I'm such a big fan. Thanks for having me on, Jamila. That's it for my chat with Hugh Van Salenberg. I promise I'm going to make him come back because we barely scratched the surface with that chat. You can catch more from him on his podcast, The Imperfects, which is thoroughly excellent. I have loved every episode I've listened to. And you can read his books, The Resilience Project and Let It Go, which are available at all good bookstores. Don't go away. The weekend list is coming up. It is weekend list time. Braun is here. We are going to tell you what you might like to get up to this weekend, whether you're feeling social or whether you're feeling like a little bit of quiet time on your own. Braun, what do you have in store for everybody? This one's definitely if you're feeling like a little downtime at home. It's the film Me Time on Netflix, actually. Super Me Time, super solo time. Exactly. Um, It's a comedy starring Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg, who are best mates, Mark Wahlberg is like the reckless single guy who can't hold down a job. He owes people all this money. Kevin Hart is like the family man, takes care of everything at home. It's a little bit cheesy. It's a bit of fun, but it is so easy to watch. It just felt like I sat down and it was over in a second, which is the way I like to enjoy movies. Um, (laughs) I liked how it kind of flipped the traditional house roles where the mum was super successful working woman and Kevin Hart's character was a stay-at-home dad who was, you know, burnt out from running the household. And yeah, it was just a lot lot of fun and super easy to watch. I have an idea. I should take Dash and Ava for spring break by myself. You've never traveled with them without me. I am their mother. I will be fine. Honestly, I have concerns. Did you hear me? No. 
That sounds really, really good. And I don't get to the movies enough anymore. Like I've had a post-COVID movie going rut that I would really like to break out of. Bron, I am outrageous because I am so often recommending things for our Melbourne listeners because that's where I live and that's where I'm doing stuff. Something rare is happening and that is that I'm going to go do stuff somewhere else, Bron. And I am so looking forward to travelling to Sydney this week where I'm going to be checking out Amongst other things, I'm going to be checking out the finalists of the 2022 Australian Life Photography Competition. Um, It's on in Hyde Park. That's where it's showing. It'll be on from the 15th of September right through to the 9th of October. So you've got a good sort of three and a half, four weeks to check it out. There are some incredibly unique perspectives uh, from people and of people around our country. And if you're someone who finds art a little bit hard to get into when it's at the kind of highfalutin level. I reckon starting with photography is a really good way to do it, right? Because it's showing you the real world as it is, but captured by people who do so extraordinarily. And these portraits aren't of famous people necessarily. Um, They are of extraordinary and ordinary moments at the same time. And I know that in this year's show, some of the finalists include um, incredible photos of uh, portraits of people who've lost everything in the floods in Lismore. There are photos of people who are getting their very first COVID vaccination and having an ice cream or a lollipop afterwards, but they have been captured in such a beautiful way that they really show you a moment in time. And I'm so looking forward to checking that out. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, My next one is a Frank Green water bottle. So obviously this is not sponsored. Nothing I ever say is sponsored on the list. We don't want their money. I mean, we'll take their money, but we don't have it. I'll take it, but we don't have it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I just genuinely love this bottle. It's, they're so cute. They have them in different colors. Uh, What I truly love about it is that it genuinely makes me drink so much water. I don't know what they do to the design. I'm refilling it up all the time. I started off with the one litre bottle. I was filling it up too many times in the day that I had to upgrade to the two litre bottle. It's genuinely so good. I don't know what what they've done to it, but I love it. Are you usually a good water drinker? Not often, no. Wow. It's really upped my – it is life-changing. It's up my water intake. I feel amazing. I'm very impressed. You're a better human, Bron. I can tell it. I can tell even just by chatting to you. And folks, I, I want to recommend after the incredible chat with Hugh Van Seilenberg earlier, I want to recommend his podcast, The Imperfects, which has to be one of my favourite podcasts. I go back to it again and again and again. And it is one of those podcasts where I don't care who's on. I don't care what format they're doing. I just want to listen because I know I'll learn something. And I also know I'll feel better about myself and about the world after listening. A recent episode uh, has comedian and podcaster and former radio host Hamish Blake chatting to the hosts and the topic is self-doubt and I just found it really surprising and really interesting um, to hear someone with an incredibly successful career and objectively someone who seems to have it all talk about the experience of self-doubt and he really had some smart things to say and I think what Hugh and the other hosts managed to draw out of Uh, Hamish was uh, some incredible vulnerability and and honesty and yeah it was really eye-opening ear-opening I don't know it was a great listen and it opened something that's it for the weekend list that's it for the weekend briefing for another week thanks for being with us if you want to make sure you always get to hang out with us then you can grab the listener app just download it in the app store and follow us there or you can follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we really look forward to seeing you again next week 
Tom and the team will be in your ears. They'll have the latest headlines served up for you on a platter from 6am bright and early Monday morning. Listener.